In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, both now and ever and unto the ages of all ages, amen. Today's gospel and today's readings are all preparing us for the Feast of the Apostles. And to be very simple and very brief, an apostle is somebody who is sent with an epistle. An epistle is a letter or a message uh, which is sent, right? So someone wants to send a message to someone else, so they send somebody with the message, right? It's very simple. And so this Thursday will be the feast of the apostles St. Peter and St. Paul, and the church has taken it as an opportunity to celebrate all of the apostles, um, the 12, the 72, and, and all of the apostles, which includes you and me. And as part of the rites of the, of the liturgy, which will happen on Thursday, um, will be a washing of the feet, because Jesus said to his disciples, he said to them, just as I have done, so you should do for one another. And so we, as the apostles of Christ, those who have been sent with a message, we will also participate in Jesus washing uh, washing our feet and sending us out to wash the feet of the whole world. In today's gospel, it's all about the sending out of the 72. And Jesus gives them very specific instructions. He tells them, don't take too much money with you. Don't take extra clothes. Don't take extra anything. Because a worker is worthy of his wages, I will take care of you, right? And whatever, what, the, what you do and the message that you bring to people will be enough will be more than enough to bring you all of your needs as well. They come back and they're so happy and they tell him that they cast out demons in his name and heal the sick in his name. And he tells them something really beautiful. He says to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. St. Cyril explains to us that when Jesus says he saw Satan fall from heaven, he's talking about the incarnation. He's talking about how Satan had free rule in the world and indeed the world that didn't know Jesus was a world in which it was under the authority of the enemy. But when Jesus came, all of a sudden, the enemy was fleeing from Jesus. And the enemy was running from him. And so he says, I saw him fall, fall from heaven like lightning. I used to always think this was talking about the casting out of Lucifer when he prided himself against God. And St. Cyril alludes to that. But he says, he says what Jesus is really talking about here, and St. Cyril is only maybe seven or eight generations from Christ. So they had received the message firsthand from people who, who knew Christ. Says he, he's speaking about his incarnation. He's speaking about how when God is incarnate in a place, evil flees. And we saw this in the lives of the great saints. We saw this in the life, for example, of someone like Pope Cyril. Many times I've seen, I've witnessed many times 
where um, there has been an exorcism, uh, like an evil spirit being cast out. And many times it's through intense prayer of many people that someone is delivered from slavery to demons. But with Pope Cyril, it wasn't like that. Sometimes he would pray for them, but oftentimes the evil spirits would just see him and they would run in the opposite direction. If they could simply restrain the person who was possessed to stay in the presence of His Holiness Pope Carlos VI, they would be delivered. The simple coming of Christ among us has freed us from evil. Jesus tells them, Jesus tells them, this is a very little thing. It's a very little thing for you to cast out demons or to heal the sick. Don't rejoice in that, but rejoice rather because your names are written <coughs> in the kingdom of heaven. Rejoice rather because your names are written in the kingdom of heaven. I'm ask you a question. If you and I are apostles and we are sent with an epistle, what is that epistle? You're going to tell me, Abuna, it's the gospel. Okay, what's the gospel? The good news. Okay, what's the good news? I was discussing with some 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 youth this week just sitting around and 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 just chatting away we're talking we're talking about what is the good news what did jesus preach when he came he he he, he jesus was baptized he went into the desert he was tempted he came back and he began to preach what did he preach he preached repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand he preached you are accepted by me you are accepted in Christ. You can enter now into Christ and the relationship, the same exact relationship that exists between the Father and the Son exists between the Father and you because you are in Christ. The moment I become in Christ, everything which applies to Jesus applies to me. And in Jesus' baptism, oftentimes we picture this like these rays coming down from above. You know, there's some kind of like dark blue thing at the top and a dove. The dark blue thing is, you know, is the, is the presence of the Father, right? And it's dark because like we don't, we don't know, no one has seen the Father at any time. And the rays are, are picturing for us, not that it can be pictured, the words, Spoken by the Father, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And when the Father speaks to His Son and says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, and He speaks about His Son that way, He speaks about all who are in Christ that way as well. About you and about me. You are accepted in Christ. You have favor with God and with all of heaven in Him. So it's a little thing to heal the sick and to cast out demons. It's a great thing to have a place, a belonging in Christ. That's the great thing. That's the big thing. St. Cyril says about apostleship in the same part, inasmuch as you have set out upon this journey, so to speak, by my will, you have vanquished Satan. 
He's saying to us as apostles, inasmuch as you have set out on the journey <coughs> to speak his will <coughs> and to do his will, you have vanquished Satan. It's enough to set foot out. St. John Cassian says something to the priests about confession that's very similar. He says, do you not know, O priests, that God has already forgiven, that God has already forgiven the confessor, the person who's coming for confession, the moment they set foot out of their home to come for confession. Same as the son, the son, the prodigal son was forgiven by his father long before he arrived at the house, but the father himself ran out to meet him. We have an apostle who keeps wanting to come down the aisle here and join us, right? But think about it. The moment, the moment little Sophie takes her first step into the aisle, the moment you and I take our first step onto the way, to come for confession. The moment you take your first step out of your home to go meet a friend, to be the gospel to them, to be the good news to them. The moment you pick up the phone to dial to ask about somebody who you think may be lonely and not have somebody to ask about. The moment you, you, you come to act, St. Cyril is telling us you have vanquished Satan and he has fallen like lightning. He has fallen like lightning from heaven. Why? Why is it that it's the moment that you come to act that St. Cyril is telling us this? Why? Well, he said that the falling of Satan from heaven was the incarnation of Christ, the Word. And the Word is incarnate not only on, uh, you know, January 6th or December 24th or whatever you want to call it, 2,000 years ago, the Word of God is incarnate in you and in me the moment you hear the Word and you commit to doing it. It takes flesh in you. It's words which are spoken and then it becomes, it becomes actions which are lived in you and in me. So this incarnation of Christ is not something which is limited to the Christmas season, but is something which takes place every time you and me obey the commandments of Christ. And that's why, that's why St. Paul was spelling out for us apostleship in 1 Corinthians 9, the reading which we read earlier. And he was saying that it all begins with a pattern of self-denial. And he's saying, that Barnabas and I have chosen not to take a wife and we don't take any good anything from you, any money from you or anything, but we come to be a blessing to you. And although we have the rights like all of the other apostles, we don't choose to do any of that. Why? Because we want to be a blessing to you. And he finishes that passage by saying, we endure all things lest the gospel be hindered. We endure all things lest the gospel be hindered. If you and I want to be apostles that are making the Word of God incarnate and vanquishing Satan everywhere we go, St. Paul is giving us a threefold model. The first step is going to be a little bit of self-denial. When we step out to do the gospel, there's things that I'm going to want to do that aren't wrong, that are not bad, but they're going to get in the way of the gospel. I'm going to share the message 
but I want to stop for a burger. Oh, and I met a friend and I want to say hello. And all of those are distractions. There's nothing wrong with those things. But they're, they're things that may be distracting me. I'm taking very simple things, right? All of those things can be summed up in myself, my desires, my ego, my me. And that's why a, a beautiful, very small exercise for self-denial, for denying the self and telling the self, sorry, you have to take second place now because somebody much more important has come on the scene, are prostrations. And when we do a prostration, we kneel before God and we take all of our self and we put it in the dust. In all of ancient literature, the self is kind of characterized or embodied by the nose. You know, like somebody's personality and their person is in their nose. If you want to get, you know, the, you know, plastic surgery to change your appearance and you want the biggest bang for your buck, what is it? It's a nose job. It's the first thing that people see, right? So I take myself or my face, myself, my nose, my face, and I take it and I put it in the dust before God and I say, Lord, you before me. I say, you before me, I say, Lord, I have died, and now Christ has risen. Very simple little thing you can do in your prayers to give you more impetus, more strength, more motivation in self-denial is a few prostrations. Speak with your spiritual father, spiritual guide, spiritual mother. They will give you guidance on how many and when and all of those things. Then St. Paul tells us in the reading we read this morning, For I preach the, if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not pray, preach the gospel. St. Paul is saying this. He's saying, if I preach the gospel, that doesn't make me a good person. Actually, I'm a bad person if I don't preach the gospel. Why? Because I have this good news. I've, I've discovered the cure for cancer, but I've decided I don't feel like telling anybody about it today. Maybe I'll tell them tomorrow. What would you say about that person? You would say they're a bad person. Why? Because they have life-saving good news to share, and they just simply can't get off their butt to do it. You would say, you would say that that is inexcusable. People are dying, and... I can't, I can't get myself off the couch. That would be, that would be inexcusable. St. Paul feels the same way about the gospel. He says, I have life saving deliverance. So don't think I'm a good person because I preach the gospel. Actually, I have to, a need to go out and to share the gospel. In our post-Christian, post-modern society here, we feel, most of us, if I told, told you, go and preach the gospel, most of us would feel like that it would be a little challenging to just walk up to somebody and say, hey, do you know Jesus? I really want to tell you about Jesus. And that it may not be well received. That's why St. Cyril is telling us to use this model of incarnation, to be the gospel incarnate to be the Word of God incarnate in your workplace, with your friends, with your colleagues, at school, 
to, to do the gospel, do your quiet time in the morning, read the words of Christ, ask Him for a commandment, and then do it all day. And then the Word of God, which is written here, and is the Word of God, the second person of the Trinity, takes flesh in your workplace. And St. Cyril is assuring us that that is enough. That is enough to vanquish Satan. It is enough to vanquish Satan in your workplace, with your friends and colleagues at school, wherever you are, your neighbors, for you to live the gospel, to be the gospel. St. Paul is telling us if we're going to do that, we're going to need a bit of self-denial. The second thing he's telling us is that we have to set it in our minds to be the gospel with all people. Not to have any sense of prejudice or any picture in our minds of who we are sent out with this message to. He says, I serve all men. To the Jew I became a Jew, to the Greek I became a Greek, to the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that by all means I might save some. There's another key here. That by all means I might save some. He knows that not everyone will respond to the gospel. Not everybody responded to Jesus. Some people chose to crucify him. Some people chose to follow him. Some people will respond to the gospel. But I'm going to preach the gospel anyways because I can't not. I can't not live the gospel wherever I go and in whatever I do. Which is what he says, said to us. And then the last thing he says to us, he says to us, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the crown? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. He says, if you're going to preach the gospel, be a winner. Be a winner. Not everybody who runs in a race wins. So what kind of people win St. Paul? He says to us, he says to us to be temperate. But I really like this model that he gives us of, of athletes running in a race. And I ask myself, I ask myself sometimes, you know, does anybody here do track and field? Does anybody here run? Okay, so the person I feel the most sorry for in the whole wide world is, are the people who run the 100 meter sprint in the Olympics. Like these people spend years upon years upon years upon years of extremely disciplined training to run something like six, seven, or eight seconds. That's it. It's like eight seconds. You know? They spend years and they watch what they eat and they train and they run and they wake up early and they push themselves and they make sacrifices and their friends go out for wings and they don't have wings. They eat the celery sticks, right? And they, they work so hard for eight seconds. Eight seconds. That's it. And they work so hard for something so short. You know why they really irritate me? It's not personal. Like I don't have like a personal Olympic sprinter in mind that I have a personal pet peeve against. No. You know why I'm so irritated? Because they work so hard 
with so much dedication and so much sacrifice for something so brief. And I work so little for something eternal. If they can do it, so can I, and so can you. Glory be to God forever and ever. I have sinned forgiven.